Are you willing to examine the traditions and doctrines that you trust in for your eternal salvation? Welcome to the Great Deception Podcast. I am Don Britton and I will be your host. I will be comparing the modern traditions and doctrines of American Christianity with what the scriptures actually say. You may be shocked to find out that much of what is commonly believed in American Christianity today is nothing more than myths handed down to us by men. So please join me now with an open mind. Hello and welcome back to another Great Deception Podcast. I'm Don Britton and today I want to discuss with you the difference between biblical speaking in tongues versus the tongues that are being taught and practiced today in many denominations. You know, there was a time when it was just in the Pentecostal denominations or the charismatic movement, but now it's moved into... There are Baptists and Presbyterians and Episcopalians and uh, Catholics and others now that are speaking in tongues. And so this movement has really gone across America and is now invading all the denominations. So what I want to do is find out what is really true, what is of God, what is not of God. And so especially uh, the tongues that are spoken in the charismatic and the Pentecostal churches. So before you get offended... Please listen to me with an open mind. Hear me out and check out and see what I'm saying using your Bible. Because that's what we really need to go by. All scriptures inspired by God is profitable for teaching, for correction, for reproof, and for training in righteousness. So let's not get our emotions involved here. Let's, let's look at the truth. Let's look at what the Bible says. The first thing I want to do is remind you. I want to remind you that Jesus warned us a couple thousand years ago. He said, for false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. He said, Behold, I have told you in advance. That's Matthew 24, verses 25 and 26. Paul the Apostle, he also warned us. He said, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan. Satan being with all power and signs and false wonders and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason... God himself, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. Now, I want you to think about this. If you're not careful, if you fall into deception, it's God who's going to deceive you uh, by sending a deluding influence upon you through these false signs and wonders that was predicted for the last day. That's 2 Thessalonians, by the way, chapter 2, verses 7 through 12. So it's clear here by these two scriptures, and there's many more. We don't have time to go into all of them today. That there's going to be a great deception in the last days coming in the form of false signs and wonders. that are going to be worked. They're, they're being worked through the false prophets who are receiving power from Satan to perform those signs and wonders. So here's the question. Where is this happening today? I mean, where do we look around and see in what group or what movement or what denomination do we see the claim of signs and wonders? Where is it predominantly coming from? 
So, <laughs> is it in the Southern Baptist Church? I don't really think so. I mean, yeah, there's some Baptists who are now moving into more of the charismatic stuff, uh, speaking in tongues and miracles and healings and things like that. But for the most part, it's not a part of the Baptist Church. So it's not really there in the in the big picture. Okay, well, what about, uh, what about say, the Presbyterians? <laughs> Do you see the Presbyterians or the Lutherans or the or the Methodists, do you really see them as a as a whole moving into this signs and wonders thing? Well, a little here and there maybe, but not as a whole. So it's really not, in, they're, they're not the big picture here of where the signs and wonders are being performed or claimed to be performed that are part of the movement of the last days that was promised by Jesus and Paul that we were warned about. So where is it? Is it in the Catholic Church? Not really, even though there's a few... Catholics that speak in tongues or that claim to have see miracles or that claim to perform miracles, but it's not as a whole. Most 99.9% .9 of you Catholics don't claim to have miracles working in their lives. So where is this movement at? This movement that's going to be full of signs and wonders and power that's going to manifest in the last days. Where is it at? I mean, we got to be honest here. It's in the Pentecostal and the Charismatic movement. That's where it's at. Now, I'm not saying that everything in the Pentecostal and Charismatic movement is false. But what I'm saying is the signs and wonders, the great delusion of the last days, it's coming into and through the Pentecostal and Charismatic movement. What about that? So in this Charismatic and Pentecostal movement, what is the main emphasis on? It's not on holiness. It's not on love. It's not on... Uh, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. It's on the Holy Spirit with the emphasis on miracles and manifestations and speaking in tongues and miraculous physical healings. That's what the emphasis is on. And a whole lot of it is on is focused more on tongues and healing than anything else. That's what you hear the most about, tongues and healing, tongues and healing, tongues and healing. So, so... I don't really have time today to get into the thing about the healings. I've talked about that on one of the other podcasts. You know, there's a lot of fake healings and there's some healings that are supernatural uh, things that do happen, but by the wrong spirit, because Satan has power to heal. He has power to perform signs and wonders. And just because somebody's healed or just because somebody thinks they're healed doesn't mean it came from God. And so we got to be careful what the source is. And there's a lot of false prophets and a lot, of false, a lot of false teachers and a lot of false manifestations coming forth in these days. So just because it's a miracle doesn't mean it's from God. So what I do want to focus on today is on the modern speaking in tongues that we have today. As it's taught and practiced by the Pentecostal charismatic churches. And I want to compare what's going on there with what the Bible has to say about this gift. I'm going to start out by saying this. I've heard it said, and I'm not disagreeing. I heard it said that Jesus manifested all the gifts of the Holy Spirit in his ministry, including speaking in tongues. So I want to, so I'm not saying I'm disagreeing with that, but what I want to do is say I'm not disagreeing as long as we define the tongues that Jesus spoke in using the Bible. So let's go look at that. Let's go back to Isaiah, start with. Here's a prophecy concerning Jesus by Isaiah the prophet. Starting in Isaiah 28 verse 9, he says this, To whom will he teach knowledge? 
and to whom will he interpret the message? It's talking about Jesus. He says, just those weaned from milk, in other words, just baby Christians, who's he going to explain the mysteries of the kingdom to? Or just those taken from the breast? For, for In verse 10, he says, for he says, order on order, order on order, line on line, line on line, a little here and a little there. He says the next verse, indeed, he, that's Jesus, he will speak to this people through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. So there we go. It says that Jesus is going to speak in a foreign tongue. He's going to speak with stammering lips. So that was prophesied and predicted by Isaiah the prophet. And he goes on to say that here's what he's going to, here's his message. He's going to be saying to them, here is rest, give rest to the weary, and here is repose, but they would not listen. So the word of the Lord will be to them, order on order, order on order, line on line, line on line, a little here, a little there, that they may go and stumble backward, be broken, snared, and taken captive. In other words, he's saying if you don't understand the message that Jesus is going to be bringing, you, you, you think you understand it, you got it, so to speak, in the flesh, or you got it just as a physical message rather than a spiritual message, or you just got it as some outward thing rather than a heart thing, you're going to, be, you're going to stumble and go backwards. You're going to be broken, snared, and taken captive. That's exactly what happens in these days that we're in now because of the deluding influence that God has going to bring upon this people of America, the Christian, American Christianity, is that exact thing is happening. He's causing them to believe what is false because they didn't have a love of the truth to be saved. So, did, so Isaiah did say that Jesus would speak to this people, to the people today, through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. So when Jesus walked on the earth and he spoke, how did he speak? Well, let's start Mark 4, verse 33. He says this, With many such parables, he, that's Jesus, was speaking the word to them so, that the, so far as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable. But he was explaining everything privately to his disciples. So here's this, here it is. Here's this picture. Jesus was speaking in a foreign tongue. The parable. It wasn't, no one knew what he was talking about, really. I mean, when he's talking about birds and seed and all that, was he talking about birds and seed or was he talking about the word of God? Was he talking about fields or was he talking about hearts? When he's talking about wolves, he was talking about wolves and sheep's clothing. What, I mean, all kinds of different ways, fig trees and barren fig trees and trees without fruit and withering fig trees. I mean, he was always talking about stuff. What was he really talking about? See, that's what was missed is he was speaking in a foreign tongue. And, you know, he was talking about wheat and tares and things like that. And his own disciples said, tell us what you're talking about. Explain the parable to us. So, anyway, he didn't speak without a parable. And another place in Luke 5.36, again, Jesus was telling them a parable. Over and over and over in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus was telling another parable. And he spoke by way of a parable. And he brought another parable and explained to them the meaning of the parable. And then in Luke chapter 8, verse 4, it says, When a large crowd was coming together, and those from the various cities were journeying with him, he spoke by way of a parable again. In other words, he wasn't being direct and clear. He was speaking in a mystery. He was speaking in a tongue. He was speaking in a riddle. He was speaking in a similitude. 
And it was not clearly understood what he was saying unless he explained it to them. And it goes on to say in, Mark, in Matthew 13, verse 34, he says, All these things Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. And he did not speak to them without a parable. And so in verse 35, he goes on to say, This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. So Isaiah did. So Isaiah said that Jesus was going to speak with a stammering lip and a foreign tongue. And there were other prophecies that he was going to speak this way. So here's the thing. Matthew and Luke said that Jesus didn't speak without speaking in a parable. Uh, Isaiah said Jesus was going to speak in a foreign tongue. He's going to speak in tongues. So here's the thing. Is this a contradiction? In other words, when Isaiah said he's going to speak in tongues... And it says in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, they didn't speak without a parable. Are they, is this a contradiction, contradiction or is it the same thing? Isn't it, does it have to be the same thing because the Bible's not contradicting itself? So the tongue that Jesus spoke in, the foreign tongue, the stammering lip he spoke with was the parables he spoke that didn't make any sense to anybody unless he explained them to them. So since the Bible doesn't contradict itself, they both have to be true. In other words, the tongue and the parable are one and the same. In Luke 8, for an example, because the tongue had to be interpreted, so in Luke 8 verse 9, his, disciple, his own disciples began questioning him as to what the parable might mean. They wanted to know the meaning of it because they didn't understand it. And so in, in Matthew 15 verse 15, Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. But he was explaining everything, another place it said, but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. In other words, Jesus, who spoke in a tongue, was now explaining or interpreting the tongue to his own disciples. So they could be edified. So they would have understanding. So, talking about the gift of tongues now in the church today, one of the things that said today is that the that the gift of tongues is for the believer to use and to exercise for the church okay does that is that what the bible actually says about it well let's just go and look in first corinthians 14 verse 14 verse 21 here's what it says in the law it is written by men of strange tongues and by the lips of strangers i will speak to this people there's isaiah right there quoting again even so they will not listen says the lord in verse 22 he goes on to say so then tongues are a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. So do you hear that? Tongues are a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. And prophecy is a sign, not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. That's sort of the opposite of what takes place today. I mean, you get all these uh, people in the charismatic and Pentecostal churches speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, sometimes singing in tongues. And you don't have a clue what they're saying. And there's nobody interpreting it. There's all kinds of stuff going on there that's totally out of order. And they're using it in the church like that when it's not even for the believer. The sign of tongues is not for the believer. He says it's not for the believer right there. We just read it. So in the case where Jesus was using parables to speak, which is the tongues he used, it was, a, it was for the purpose that he was speaking to unbelievers. He was speaking to unbelievers in tongues. And it was for the purpose of keeping them from understanding what he was saying. 
And here again in Mark 4.10, it says, As soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. His own disciples were still asking him, What are you saying? And he was saying to his own disciples, To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those outside, they get everything in parables. In other words, if you're not in the kingdom, then all this is just going to be a mystery to you. You're going to think you understand it, but you really don't. And in verse 12, he goes on to say, The reason is so that while seeing, they may see and not perceive, and while hearing, they may hear and not understand, otherwise they might return and be forgiven. In other words, unless you come to Jesus with a whole heart and surrender your life totally to him, the Bible's going to be a sealed book. It's going to be a mystery to you. It won't make any sense to you. You won't get much of anything out of it. And so then you go around to the false teachers and false prophets, and they, quote, interpret it for you, and they tell you that all you got to do is pray the prayer, ask Jesus in your heart, pray a sinner's prayer, which is not biblical, or get baptized, or fill with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, or whatever they tell you, and you go along with all that, and you think you've got God when you really don't. So what happens, in, in, other, words, in other words, when these people come to God for healings and for blessings, but they don't come to Him with a heart of repentance from sin, they get everything order on order, order on order, line on line, precept upon precept, and they end up going backwards into religion and they fall into darkness without understanding of what he's really saying. And he intended it for it to be that way. So there's one case where tongues is a sign for the unbeliever. And so the way also that it can be used, another way that tongues can be a sign for the unbeliever is in a positive way, that's like it happened in the book in the in the book of Acts at Acts chapter two. It's here's what happened. They there was a whole group of people gathered together from many different nations with many different languages who could not understand any language but their language. And then when the Holy Spirit fell upon the believers there, they all began to speak with tongues, and there was such a ruckus that people didn't know what to think. Because they were all hearing the message about God in their own language. In other words, these men were speaking their normal way, but everybody was hearing it in their own language. And there was about like maybe 15 different countries uh, represented there. And all of them were hearing the message in their own language. So that was a supernatural manifestation of tongues, unlike what we see in the, in the churches today. So... And even when Peter stood up, when everybody was pierced to the heart and they said, what must we do? Peter stood up and explained to them to repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and, and repent for the remission of their sins. And so I think it was like 3,000 people added the church that day, but they were from all different kind of nations. They were all from different kind of languages and yet they all understood Peter in their own tongue and Peter was just speaking like he normally did. So that was a real manifestation. And so in that case, tongues was a sign for the unbeliever. It was used to bring unbelievers to the truth because now they could understand what the message was of repentance. That is not what we see going on today in the churches. It's not the same kind of tongues. So it's also taught today. I've heard this over and over again. <laughs> you see, I spent some time in the charismatic and the Pentecostal movement early on. I spent about three years in that movement. And I saw and heard just about everything. 
it's also taught, and and now I even listen to podcasts and watch stuff on YouTube. So I kind of am aware of what's still going on out there and, and televangelists and all the things that they say and do about tongues and about, you know, the gifts of the Spirit and about miracles and all this. So it's taught, it's pretty much commonly taught today that the evidence of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. In other words, if you've got the Holy Spirit, you'll speak in tongues. In other words, if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you'll speak in tongues. That is not biblical. It is not biblical at all. In fact, the Bible says that the evidence of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, you have the fruit of the Spirit, meaning love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and all those kinds of things. In other words, you have the nature of Christ in you. And when, you're, and when you have a transformed life and you're a changed person and old things have passed away and all things have become new, it's evident that you have the Holy Spirit. That's the only way you can tell that you have the Holy Spirit. If somebody speaks in tongues, I used to know this guy that in one charismatic church I was in, he smoked pot all week. He was a fireman and he smoked pot on the job every day sitting in the firehouse and he came to church on Sunday and spoke in tongues and prophesied. So tell me something. What spirit was he speaking by? That wasn't just because he spoke in tongues didn't prove he had the Holy Spirit. And I've seen this kind of thing over and over and over again. Carnal men, false prophets, false teachers. False teachers like Kenneth Copeland, like, like Benny Hinn. False teachers. You know, like these guys are speaking in tongues and they do not have the Spirit of God. You can tell by their lives. They're, they're wolves in sheep's clothing, getting millions of dollars, stealing and, and, and taking money to prophesy lies, to, to, to support their own lavish lifestyles. And yet they speak in tongues. So that doesn't prove they have the Holy Spirit. So just because somebody speaks in tongues doesn't mean, or some kind of tongues doesn't mean they have the Holy Spirit. So it's also taught today that everyone who is filled with the Spirit will speak in tongues. Well, is that biblical? Again, that's not true because even Paul the Apostle, when he's making a list in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 of spiritual gifts, he said, you know, he was saying not all speak in tongues, do they? In other words, not everybody's a prophet. Not everybody's a, 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 a miracle worker. Not everybody speaks in tongues. Not everybody's an administrator. Not everybody's a teacher. Not everybody's a, a, a pastor. It, you know, not everybody's the same thing. And not everybody's going to speak in tongues. So to say that everybody who's filled with the Holy Spirit speaks in tongues, again, is a false statement. It's not biblical. So here's something else. Think about this. The modern tongues of today, they are an erratic, unintelligible, gibberish type of speech. <laughs> that is not a real language. It's not a real language. It's not Spanish or English or French or German or whatever. It's not a language. It's gibberish. And that's just not biblical either because the tongues in the Bible were always a language. It was a real language. It may not be a language you'd learned or you may be speaking it by the power of the Holy Spirit or someone may be hearing it in their own language, but it was always a known language to someone. It might not be known to the person speaking it, but it was known to someone. So, in fact, Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14.10. Just to back up what I'm saying, he said, there are perhaps, and he's in the context of talking about tongues here. He said there are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. So there we go. In the world, what we got? We got 
hundreds, maybe even thousands of different languages, Portuguese and German and English and French and Japanese and Chinese and, and on and on and on, you know, Spanish and I don't know how many there are. There, there's many, 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 many different languages and dialects all over the world. And Paul is acknowledging that when he's in the context of tongues. He's not saying anything about gibberish, erratic nonsense. He said there's many kinds of languages in the world, but none has, but everyone has a meaning. In other words, no kind of language is without meaning, he's saying. And he goes on to say in verse 11, he, in 14, 11, he says, if then I do not know the meaning of the language, talking about some language in the world that you may not have learned, I will be the one who speaks a barbarian and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So Paul makes it clear that speaking in tongues will be speaking in a language that has meaning somewhere in the world to somebody in the world. There was never any idea in the Bible that tongues would be some erratic, unintelligible, gibberish type of speech like we have today in the charismatic and Pentecostal churches. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I, I have gone to other countries. I've been to the Dominican Republic on two occasions. And I preached the word for, for two weeks at a time on two occasions. And I spoke to people who only understand Spanish. Except for there was a few exceptions. There was a few people who understood English. But mostly only understood Spanish. If I hadn't have had an interpreter who could interpret my message to the Spanish-speaking people, then what I would have been, I would have been like, I've been like a barbarian to them, not, them not having a clue what I'm talking about. And then when they responded to me, they would have been like a barbarian to me, me not having a clue what they're talking about. That's why it was important to speak uh, to speak to people who didn't have the same language and have an interpreter. And so in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, Paul said this, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. Well, see, I heard this before. Well, Paul spoke in tongues more than anybody did. Well, what kind of tongues do you think Paul was speaking in? You know, for, think about this for a minute. Didn't Paul travel all over the known world pretty much in those days? I mean, he went everywhere. He went to country after country and place after place where the language was different, where people spoke different language, where they understood different language. And Paul only had his native tongue. So how did he preach everywhere? How did he find somebody to interpret? It? Was there anybody to interpret? It didn't say there was. It never said Paul with his interpreter went here and there. Paul just went wherever he went and he preached. Well, how did people understand him? Well, have you considered that maybe, just maybe, Paul was operating just like on the day of Pentecost where he, the gift of tongues was working in him, that when he spoke in his own language, that whatever city, town, country, or whatever district he was in, whatever the language was that they heard Paul, they heard what he said in his own in their own language. Maybe that's what he was doing. And also another thing you might consider, since Jesus only spoke in parables, and in other words, parables are like riddles or mysteries or similitudes. They're, they're a language spoken that unless somebody interprets, you don't know exactly what they're getting at. So Paul, on several occasions in his writings to the churches, he said, I'm speaking to you by a way of a mystery. I'm speaking to you a mystery, or this is a mystery. So Paul spoke a lot of mysteries. He talked about mysteries. He referred to mysteries and spoke in mysteries. So he, he explained those mysteries to the church, but he was talking about mysteries a lot. 
So could it be that maybe the tongues he also spoke in to the churches was a mystery that he was revealing, the mysteries of Christ, the mystery about the husband loving the wife like Christ loved the church? He said, this is a great mystery. He talked about mysteries quite a bit. Was this the tongues that Paul was talking about? And was it the tongues that he spoke in when he traveled, where he spoke to all the different places he went? I'm just asking, is it possible? There's never any indication in the Bible anywhere that Paul spoke in the modern, charismatic, gibberish, erratic, unintelligible speech that we have today. There's no indication of that. Can you, do you think it's even possible, even sensible, that Paul would have traveled around the world speaking in gibberish? Come on now, think about that. Does that make any sense to you that Paul would have went to those foreign countries and spoke in gibberish? What do you think? It says it was for the unbeliever. It says tongues was a sign for the unbeliever. How would that work? So think about this. Just go back to the Bible and read it. Study it. Another point Paul made here was, and, and I didn't read verse 19. He says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than y'all. That was verse 18. Verse 19, he said, However, in the church I desire to speak five words with my mind so that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Well, <laughs> how about that? Paul said it was, it was better to speak, even though he spoke in tongues more than anybody you know, did in the Corinthian church he was talking to, he said he'd rather speak five words in church that people understood than to speak 10,000 in a tongue. Why isn't that practice today? I've seen, I've seen tongues today misused so much in, in the years that I've walked with God. So in 1 Corinthians 14, 22, Paul goes on to say, so then tongues are a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is a sign not to unbelievers, but to those who believe. Therefore, now he's making another point about this. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues and an ungifted or unbeliever enter, he says, will they not say, you are mad? <laughs> yeah, they will. I mean, he's making a point here. But he goes on to say, but if everybody prophesies and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, and he is convicted by all, he is, he, and he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, so he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. In other words, there's no prophet to be talking nonsense. There's no prophet and just and rattling off. There's no prophet in saying something that makes no sense to the person. Only when you address his heart directly, speak the truth clearly, Five words that are clearer better than 10,000 in a tongue in the church. Why are we not abiding by that in America? Come on. Isn't that what God really wants? I want you to think about this too. I've been in those charismatic meetings, <clears throat> prayer meetings, Bible studies, get-togethers, house meetings, church meetings. I've been in those where there everyone was praying in a tongue or speaking in tongues, even sometimes at the same time. And it was just gibberish nonsense. It was gibberish nonsense. There was not anything coming out of it that was edifying. There was not anything coming out of it that was useful or made any sense. It was craziness. It was, it was demonic. It was really demonic is what it was. And so 
I'll give you an example of how this is so bad. I was one time invited to speak at a, at a, uh, at a community center, uh, and I was, I, I, there was a group of people going to be there, and I was invited to share the Word of God. And I planned on going and speaking about repentance and turning from sin and finding Jesus and, and you know, in other words, the gospel. To, to the gospel of Christ is what I was going to preach. And I had been talking to a certain businessman off and on along the way because I was in business and I was talking to another businessman. And I had invited him. I'd never really got to tell him the whole story what I wanted to. So I had invited him to come to this meeting and to bring his family. And he agreed to come. And so when I also there were some charismatic ladies that came to this meeting which I didn't mind that at all as far as who came. I just wanted everybody to come that could come and hear the word. But what happened was these charismatic ladies, there was four or five of them, they gathered right in the middle of the room at a table, and they began, before the meeting started, they began to pray out loud, all of them at the same time, in tongues. And it sounded like craziness. And they were rattling off all this gibberish in tongues in the, in the middle of the, of the room, and they were doing it, uh, where you could hear them and you could see them and they looked like crazy people. They sounded like crazy people. And then in came my businessman friend that I was wanting to share the gospel with and that I'd been talking to. He came in and had a seat. He sat down with his family and it didn't take him long to figure out these people over here were doing something crazy. These charismatic ladies were doing something crazy. And so he was very troubled by it and he got up and took his family and left and he never spoke to me again. And yeah, was he, what was he saying in his mind? You know what he was saying. Are they not all mad? They're crazy here. I'm not having anything to do with this. This is nuts. So he ran away. And I have witnessed so many such things in the charismatic and Pentecostal churches of those few years I spent there. And I was trying to sort that out and talk to people about it. But nobody wanted to listen. And I also noticed there's always so much pride associated with speaking in tongues like did you get your gift of tongues yet or my gift is speaking in tongues it's like there was such bragging about it. i saw kenneth copeland for an example on tv one time him and some other guy i don't know his name they were having this big tongues talk just a big display of flesh they were yak 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 this went on for like five or ten minutes they were having this quote conversation in tongues and it was so, it was so just dripping with pride, dripping with arrogance. It was all a big show. And that's not the way the Holy Spirit works. He doesn't work like that. There's a purpose in everything God does. And His purpose is to bring people to, king, to the kingdom of God. God's purpose is to bring people to repentance. God's purpose is to, is to bring people to righteousness and holiness. His purpose is not for them to put their gift on their sleeve to go around boasting about it or showing it off. That's not God's purpose. So I know that God wasn't in that one. And yeah, he was speaking in some kind of tongues. It was demonic. It was very demonic. It wasn't of God. And you can be offended if you want to, but I'm telling you, it wasn't of God. It was demonic. And so no one in the New Testament church ever were supposed to be bragging about their gifts. I'm this or I have that gift. I mean, it's disgusting. What about, we should, we should be thankful that we have Jesus if we do. We should be thankful that God has even given us a consideration to save our souls. We should be thankful if He's been able to help us overcome our sins. That should be, we should boast in Him and Him alone, not in some gift or some ability. 
And Paul even said one time, why do you boast? Because who has anything unless he's received it? If you've received it, you didn't, you didn't do anything to make yourself have it. You, somebody gave it to you. God gave it to you. If you do have anything, it's good. So don't brag about it. You know, be humbled by it. And another thing, tongues wasn't one, <laughs> tongues wasn't one of the great gifts. It was one of the least gifts. It's at the bottom of the list. In fact, it's one of the last ones that were even mentioned on the list when Paul was listing all the different gifts. And Paul even said it's greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues. He's saying, I'd rather you speak you know, clearly. I'd rather you speak straightforwardly. I'd rather you speak to the heart than to riddle rattle off in tongues. So anyway, again, why be so proud about something if it's the least of the gifts? So it's far more important to speak directly the word of God than it is to say something in a riddle or a mystery or to beat around the bush or be vague about something or speak in some kind of foreign language that somebody else doesn't hear. Whatever kind of tongue you're talking about. And there's more than one kind of tongue. So another thing that I've witnessed, and I've witnessed in the charismatic and Pentecostal churches again, prophecy and prophecies given that thus saith the Lord kind of thing, or the Lord says this or that. And also in tongues, where people gave a, a tongues out loud, a message in tongues, and then someone supposedly interpreted that tongue. Yet I have never, in all the meetings I was ever in, and all the times I've ever watched YouTube or listened to podcasts and heard different kinds of messages about God, prophecies about God, prophecies about the, what He's saying to the church, I have never, ever heard in the Pentecostal Charismatic Movement, one time, any of these messages that would address sin and have a sense of urgency about the condition of the church and call people to revival or have any kind of concern about repentance. I've never heard that. And yet when I read my Bible, and I have read my Bible, and I've studied my Bible for nearly 40 years, I find that every single prophet of God that ever lived before I don't care if it's Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Jeremiah. I don't care who it was. They all did the same thing. They all called people to repentance. They all brought the message of God that God was going to bring judgment upon his people if they didn't repent. They all did that all of the time. And they were not popular with the people. And they were not popular usually with the kings and the leaders, especially the religious leaders of the day. In fact, most of them lived lonely lives. Most of them lived under the threat of their lives. Most of them lived uh, being rejected and hated and misunderstood. And many of them were often, often killed because of their message. That's not what kind of prophets we have today. We have these bless me, prosperity prophets that if you send me your money, I'll send you a blessing. And, you know, if you sow your seed, I'll, you'll get back this and that. And God tells me he's, he's, he's happy with you. And you're going to be blessed. You're going to have a better car, better house, better job you know, you're going to be healed and all this. But doesn't say anything about the heart or about sin. All these prophecies are false because they're not what God is saying to a country and to a church in America who is burdened down with wickedness and sin and deception and falsehood. That's not what God is saying to his people. So, you know, we need to wake up. So he always addressed, God always addressed what was wrong. So, and he didn't come along to tell you how wonderful you were and how happy he was with you. So another, so here we have another one of the great deceptions of American Christianity 
is the deluding influence of false signs and wonders powered by Satan, which includes false prophecies, false healings, false miracles, and false tongues. The tongues of the Bible are either, genu are either a genuine language of somewhere in the world, or they are either that or a message spoken in a parable, a riddle, or a mystery like Jesus did, like Paul did, and like many of the prophets did. Or they may be a miraculous event where someone speaks in their own language to someone of another country and they hear the message in their own language. Either way, there's different ways that tongues are used in the Bible, but none of them were ever an erratic, unintelligible, gibberish kind of speech like we have today in the charismatic and Pentecostal movements. These tongues that we have today are false. They are not biblical. And I know that, you know, here's the thing too. The charismatic and Pentecostal churches, they idolize tongues. This is their golden calf. Boy, you better not say anything about tongues. Just like the Baptists idolize once saved, always saved. And the Catholics idolize the Pope. And, you know, it's like, don't, don't touch my golden calf. But see, it's false. And I'm telling you it's false. It's time that we wake up and run to Jesus with all of our heart. See, I urge you. I urge you not to fall into these delusions of the last days, these false signs and wonders that are powered by Satan. Satan can speak in tongues. Satan can heal people. Satan can cause miracles to happen. Satan can turn water into wine. Satan can turn a staff into a serpent, just like he did in Egypt, you know, when Moses went down there. Satan can do all kinds of things. And it said in the last days, he's going to come with great power and signs and false wonders. And where are they at, folks? They're right here with us today in the charismatic and Pentecostal movement, in the signs and wonders movement, in the prosperity movement, in the healings and all this, the Benny Hens type stuff, the Kenneth Copeland type stuff. That's where he's at. He's in the middle of all this stuff and people are falling for it. Don't fall for it. Run to Jesus. Flee these things, I urge you. Flee from these kinds of things and seek God with all your heart while you still can. You can go to my website. I have a book written called The Great Deception of American Christianity Without Christ. I didn't even kid in the, in the book. I didn't even cover all these things about false signs and wonders. I just covered more basic stuff about paid preachers and about the false tithe and about false worship and about false salvation. I cover the basic things. I encourage you to get the book and read it. And I hope to write a book about the false signs and wonders when I get around to it. It's in my heart too. My website is www.christianmyths.org. That's christianmyths with an S.org. May God lead and guide you into all truth. I hope you take seriously what I've said today. And don't be fooled by the great deception of American Christianity. Thank you for listening to the Great Deception Podcast. You may visit my website at www.christianmyths.org for more information, for my blog, and for my email address. You can also get my book, The Great Deception of American Christianity Without Christ, on Amazon or on my website. Also on my website, you may download two free chapters of my book. I hope you join me next week as we continue to examine The Great Deception.